Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear principal dancer Carlo Delano in conversation with dance educator Mary Wood. This episode was recorded on February 2nd, 2018, before a performance of Helgi Thomason's The Sleeping Beauty. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to this evening's Meet the Artist interview, and of course, welcome to the beginning of San Francisco Ballet's 85th repertory season, and to, of course, The Sleeping Beauty, which is such a quintessential ballet. (laughs) You've seen the signs around town, this is ballet. Um, It's my very great pleasure to be in conversation this evening with principal dancer Carlo Delano. Hi. And uh, because it's my intention to ask, this is Meet the Artist, and so you will be, if you don't already feel familiar with Carlo through his dancing and through perhaps an appearance in the last couple of years at one of these events, we'll still be getting a little better acquainted. Um, so let's get this over with right away. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, what uh, was, always is an impressive thing when we're looking at the San Francisco Ballet Company is what a remarkably international roster we have. And it occurred to me just in the last two or three years that we have added your part of the world <laughs> to our roster uh, with several dancers. Yeah. But particularly, um, it's lovely to welcome the Italian contingent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of additions of Italian dancers. It's three of us now. We used, I used to be alone for like two years mm-hmm. and then... We have principal dancer Angelo Greco, and there's a Cordoba Ballet member as well, Davide Occupinti. So yeah, we're, we're three Italians now. Um, it's always fun to walk down the halls and hear all the different languages. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so back us, uh, let's walk back a little bit. You um, joined San Francisco Ballet, this is your fourth repertory season? Yes. Fourth. Um, so you've had some pretty great opportunities to dance this wide repertoire. But before we really talk about those wonderful things, your background and your training and what led you to San Francisco Ballet, which of course just contributes to this wonderful tapestry of the company that we have. Mm, Yeah, so I come from a very small town near Naples uh, where ballet is not really a thing at all. Um, so I, I, I started ballet in a very tiny school and, you know, my, somebody noticed my talent and they spoke to my mother and they were like, well, uh, you know, you should really think about, you know, a professional career in ballet because, you know, he's very talented. He has great feet and everything. And my mother was like, what, what, what's wrong with his feet? <laughs> you know, she, she just couldn't get it. So, um, eventually I moved to the main school in Naples. Uh, I studied there for six years. Um, and since that school didn't really have a company attached to it that was, you know, like, that I was willing to join eventually as a professional dancer, I decided to move to Milan, that is the north part of Italy. So big move, my family, you know, as all Italian families, they were like, oh my God, we're losing a child, you know. <laughs> so eventually I was in Milan uh, for two years uh, to finish my training. Uh, I joined the company for one year. Um, I was very young. I was probably a bit 
not really motivated. Uh, so I decided to give myself a little shake, so I left to, to go to Berlin for one year. I was there, I danced quite a bit, and uh, I was promoted to soloist uh, when I was, I think, 19. But I got an offer to go back to La Scala um, after that. So basically the director decided to invite me back because he wanted me to, to dance some principal roles and some bigger stuff. So I took that opportunity, although I was a soloist in Berlin, and I would have gone back to be a corps de ballet in La Scala because I was going to get to dance some big roles. And, you know, I danced Swan Lake, I did Don Quixote, I did Diamonds. I got to dance a lot of stuff. Uh, unfortunately, the, the reality in Italy of ballet these days, and we were talking about it before, you know, Italy was the, the place to do ballet back in the days, right? Um, unfortunately, now most of the ballet companies are closing, and uh, the few ballet companies that are going on are not really attractive from a dancing point of view because the repertoire is not really challenging. It's not necessarily what a dancer trains for. So... Um, I kind of started looking around because at that point I had kind of a big, a, a better background because I danced big roles and, you know, I, I figured that I could do that job properly, basically. So I started looking around and I got a few offers in other companies as well. Um, but I find that the reason why eventually I decided San Francisco is because there is, th this company has such a wide... Uh, range of rap. So basically, you know, you go from Sleeping Beauty to go to a Wildon or, you know, any kind of contemporary dancing. So that really keeps you busy mentally, physically. Uh, so I think it's a great company to be in and to be nurtured because of the rap. Well, we, we definitely hear that from almost all of the dancers, yeah. and I'm glad that that just continues to be yeah. the draw because we get some amazing dancers. Um, before we move down the list of things I want to talk about. Um, well, and this will talk about Sleeping Beauty, which yeah. is the, the ballet of this week and the great classic work. Um, <clears throat> we were talking a little bit beforehand about ballet history really did start in Italy. But in the late 20th century, uh, it was all about Russia. It was all about France. It was all about coming to America. And I confess many of us maybe forgot a little bit about this great Italian history. So some of the great names in ballet. Let's start with the great teacher, Cicchetti. Yeah. yeah. Um, and your training at La Scala, which was just yeah, I, where it all started. You know, I think the problem in Italy right now is the political scenario. I mean, you know, you guys have it bad, but, you know. Berlusconi is running again in Italy, so <laughs> it's probably even worse. So um, in, in La Scala, for instance, when I was training, that we're talking about like six years ago, um, my teachers were Russians. They were all Russians, yeah, from Bolshoi, from Marinsky. So we've really lost it in Italy, big time, yeah. We don't have that culture of ballet anymore, um, I would say that most of the theater in Italy right now, they're mostly attracted to opera. So, you know, there's La Scala, has, for instance, like 15 operas in calendar during the year and five ballets. So it really doesn't give many opportunities to the dancers to perform and to, to get out there because that's the most important part of our job. It doesn't matter how much you rehearse in a studio. At one point, you have to get out there and do it and prove yourself that you can do it. 
because you know it's different <laughs> when you get 2,000 people looking at you doing that step, or when you're alone in the studio. So, yeah, you you have to get out there. So the fact that your teachers, as you say, were the Russian teachers, yeah. but you had a very firm grounding in classical technique. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, I do find that classical ballet is something that. You know, it's our heritage as ballet dancers. That's, you know, those are the ballets that we perform that are the oldest ballet in a way. So we kind of have to keep it alive. And of course, you know, we're not required to perform it the same way they were performed 200 years ago because, you know, of course people are different, the audience is different, we are different as artists. Uh, but there is a form of classicism that we need to bring to those mm -hmm. ballets. And I must say that I think that I have some sort of advantage because of my cultural background. I mean, not to be uh, pretentious, <laughs> but you know, for instance, it's like, your birthday. You can. Say <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> for instance, you know, you walk in Italy and there's statues anywhere, and you see those people, you know, those statues with like the the shoulders twisted or like the oppositions and the epaulman, what we call epaulman, meaning like you know the way you you put your shoulders related to your head, and that's something that you know it's so cultural for me it's like that's where i come from that that's pretty much what you need to bring back in those ballets uh and that's the 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 charm of classical ballet you know most of the people they just you know straight like you don't need to to do any, you know it's not like you're standing like this but for classical ballet you have to reach that certain aesthetic that makes classical ballet different from any other type of ballet, basically, yeah. So you mentioned performing some of the great classical roles. You mentioned Diamonds, which yeah. is a transition role, yeah. we're going to call yeah. That's a balancing yeah. work, even in the, it's in the traditional style. Yeah. But um, at what point did you begin to perform more contemporary work? I'm going to guess Berlin. Uh, yeah, um, mostly... I I think the, my first like role in a more contemporary work was in La Scala with Alexei Bratmansky, actually. So we performed Russian Caesar that I think it was performed here, mm -hmm. and Concerto di SCH. It was a ballet that was created for New York City Ballet. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time that I was kind of starting to get away from the classicism, like the classical form. Yeah. So in this repertory here at San yeah. Francisco Ballet, you are up to here with lots and lots of classical oh, works yeah. and the great choreographers who are yeah. working around the world today. Over yeah. the, before we get to this season, but yeah. let's just say the last three seasons, yeah. you have really had quite an opportunity. How do yeah. you like a contemporary ballet? Um, I, you know, when I joined, actually, um, it's interesting. When I joined, I was like, you know, I do classical ballet. I don't do... I don't do contemporary, I don't do neoclassical, I just do the prints. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's what I like, that's what I want to do, I don't want to do anything else. Eventually, I must say that with time, I'm kind of like, you know, I don't want to say that I'm getting over it, the prints, <laughs> and the wig and everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I find that, you know, you have to perform those classical roles in order to enjoy those contemporary roles. That's, that's my opinion. You know, like, you can have Wildon coming into the studio and asking you to, you know, undulate or do whatever he's asking you to do, but if you don't have those classical roles in your pocket, it, it, it doesn't really make sense. It's kind of like going to the next level without actually putting the basements down. So, 
um, I'm glad that I did all the classics. This was actually my last print, meaning like, not that I'm never gonna perform it again, but this was the, the one print that I was missing in my rap. So after this, I've done them all. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm starting to like better doing more contemporary works. For instance, you know, we had Foresight coming back here to do his pop arts and reworking it. And I find that what's very interesting about contemporary works is the chance to meet the choreographer, know what he really wants, uh, and also shaping something on you. So that has his mark, but at the same time has your mark too, as a dancer. So, and then dancers in the future will perform it according to what you've given to it, and they'll give their own part to it. So that's something that you don't get with classical ballet because, you know, Petit Pai is gone. So. Well, you've just handed me a fabulous segue into talking about the New Works Festival, yeah. which is being performed at the end of this season, Unbound, the New Works Festival. Um, talk about new works. That's <laughs> a lot of creating, new works. Creating, <laughs> being able to yeah. be part of the creative process. Yeah. <clears throat> just giving the group a little bit of the background. 12 choreographers, yeah. 12 works... You've only got approximately two months to put all this together. Yeah. So it's my understanding that Helgi and his team divided the company yes. into three parts. Yeah. yeah. So each, let's call you teams. Yeah. So each team then got to work with four. Four. In my case, I, I got to work with three. You know, choreographers that have their taste and everything, you don't always make it, I guess. <laughs> um, so, so tell us about which, which, of the th which three choreographers. Uh, so I had it? Stanton Welsh, Christopher Wildon, and David Dozen. So these are the choreographers that I had. Um, they were all very different. Um, you know, this festival was actually really hard for us as dancers. Mm -hmm. It was challenging and it was, you know, we were very excited to be a part of it, but... You know, we had three weeks with each choreographer, so basically by the time you got accustomed to the choreographer and uh, the movements that, it, that are required by his choreography, you basically have to switch and you start all over again. So uh, it was really hard for us. Um, I would say that of the three choreographers that I've had, you know, Stanton Welsh is the most classical ballet, meaning very classically orientated with, you know, proper shapes of like arabesque or, you know, classical shapes, most of all. Um, well, his music is even yeah, traditional it's, music. It's, it's Bach. Yeah, yeah. So very, I mean, it's more of a neoclassical work, but there's a lot of classical shapes, basically. Um, with Wildon, um, I think his work is very um, actual, like relatable to people. You know, his, uh, his work was basically based on, you know, our obsession with cell phones and, you know, social media and all of this. And, um, Let's back up a minute. Yeah. We know Wielden over almost 20 years of yeah. working with San Francisco yeah. Ballet. We're very familiar with his works yeah. and with a wide range of his works, including yeah. Cinderella. Yeah. So yeah. now, here he is working with yeah. it, it, cell phones. I, yeah, actually, you know, I was a bit uh, surprised because, you know, usually with Wielden, you know, girls are on point. We are, you know, flat shoes, required to do some kind of traditional partnering and choreography. In this case, you know, we walked in and we said, well, guys, I want you all in socks. We're like, oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> so that was kind of a surprise for us. Um, I would say that this work is one of his probably most contemporary works that I've seen from him at least. I'm not very familiar with all of his works. I know the one that we perform here, but, and most of them are pretty traditional. This one is kind of a little bit 
tending towards the contemporary. And the kind of music that he chose? It was some um, tech, technological music, like tech music. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm not familiar with the composer, honestly. The, the don't know, but Can't it's, yeah, it's technical music, technological. Stuff. And then the third choreographer David is Dazan, not yeah. familiar to no, San Francisco. not at all. Um, David Dawson. David Dawson, yeah. So uh, with David, I mean, it was a great experience, I must say. Uh, it's, 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 one, it, it's one of those choreographers that, you know, you, that really change your career as a dancer in a way, I, at least in my own experience. Um, at first, I was a little bit afraid because it was very demanding and I was I'm never gonna make this I mean this is never gonna work this guy I mean you know he wants too much from me I mean I'm never gonna make it it's too fast it's too it's too hard but then eventually it it pushed us to the point that we basically became better dancers out of three weeks of work and I think that that's great for for a choreographer that's what a choreographer should be able to do for a dancer right come in a company take the dancers and make them better so um, i think it was you know it's it's what a ballet dancer should be looking forward to do basically working with david Dozon, it was a great experience yeah well as i've said um a few times now there are four separate programs in the unbound festival so you all have to come four times to see each program because you don't want to miss what might be the great brilliant well, masterpiece yeah. of, the, uh, of yeah. the season but it's been fascinating to be um, to be able to have a little window into some yeah. of those works and it's interesting to hear you say how challenged oh, you were big time um, <laughs> by David Dawson's work well yeah yeah. Um, what music did he choose? Do you remember? It's um, an Ezio Basso um, oh, composition. Yeah, uh, it's a violin concerto. Great music, great music. Yeah. So it's a contemporary composer. Yeah, he's Italian it's, um, actually. It's, yeah. yeah, he's alive and everything. So yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so um, <laughs> as you know, we like to open up um, the opportunity for the audience to ask questions. So are you ready for anybody to ask you questions? So she's asking um, for a comparison of styles, I think, guess, and company management. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the rehearsal process at a place like La Scala yeah. and here. So the main difference is actually the way the season is planned. So uh, in La Scala, you basically rehearse for like, you know, whatever production you're doing, you rehearse for like a month, a month and a half, and then you get to perform that ballet. And that goes along the season. And that's pretty much the system in Europe. That's what most companies do. Here instead, you know, we start in July. We put all the ballets together till November. Then we open with our Nutcracker in December. And then all the ballets that you've rehearsed from July till November, you get to dance them from January to May. So it's completely different way of approaching it. I can't honestly say what's best, what's worst. Uh, I think, you know, they're, they're both very effective ways of getting out there and, you know, working on whatever ballet you have to perform. Um, but in terms of amount of time, I would say that, you know, in La Scala, since you don't have that many productions, sometimes you get to rehearse too much or you over-rehearse and to the point that you kind of lose your enthusiasm. But it's like I've done this so many times because, you know, we're waiting for the stage to clear so that we can get out there and do it. Here, instead, you, you, you don't get that very often because, you know, it's always like time is very precious, meaning 
you know, th those, that's the time you have to rehearse it and that's the time to perform it. Like, it's very limited. It's not too little, but it's just the right amount of time. So it's, yeah, it's a different way of setting the season, for sure. And we might interject here that um, many of you may have noticed that on our season, there is a week or so when we have the guest company, the National Ballet of Canada, performing Neumeier's Nijinsky. And that was very intentional, that Helgi wanted almost, it's almost four weeks, it's about a month, yeah. for yeah. all of the choreographers to come back well, yeah. and put all of their works into final shape. Yeah, also because I find that, you know, as a chore I'm not a choreographer, I'm not planning to be one, but, you know, once you create a ballet, then you'll make it sit for like a few months, you come back to it, and it's like, oh my God, I want to change it all. <laughs> they're not going to have that chance because, you know, we don't have that much time, but I'm sure they're going to want to adjust a few things. So I think that's for them also to, for us to remember them all because that's going to be challenging, and for them to make the final touches and eventually put it on stage with the costumes, the lights, the scenery, and everything that is going to be involved with it. So, yeah. It's going to be wild. Oh, yeah. um, another question. Yes, yours. Okay, let me repeat the question as best I can. Um, referencing the difference between work in the studio and working on the stage or performing, um, do you feel more creative in the studio or on the stage? That was a bit of a synthesis, but is that good enough? Okay. <laughs> Topic, yeah. Well, I mean, there's clearly a logistic difference meaning you know in a studio you get to rehearse with you know you don't have depth meaning like you have a wall in front of you you have a mirror so you know the room is pretty much defined and it's not like that big once you get on stage you have like you, you don't have anything in front of you really to spot or to so your 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 eyes are not used right away to like the amount of space for once. Um, something that is also challenging on stage a lot of the times is the lights. You know, when, when you're in a studio with natural lights, you just do what you have to do. Here, you have to take, once you get on stage, you have to take into account the fact that you have a spotlight right there. So um, sometimes, you know, that's all you see. It's all black and you have a light in your face and it's like, well, I don't know where's the front. I don't know what's my name. <laughs> I don't know any of it. So um, that can be very challenging. But I find that, you know, there's, there's a very fine line of like, you know, once you step on stage and you have those, you know, all those people that are coming to see you, not necessarily to see me, to see the show. And I happen to be on stage. Um, but, you know, there's the, the part of like, oh my God, I'm so afraid I'm going to do something wrong and I'm going to disappoint those people. But then, you know, eventually you let it go and you just try to enjoy the time that you have out there. But, you know, I, I think that's interesting for you. But, you know, when I was a kid, I was always, you know, we had this big star in Italy, Roberto Bolle, uh, and he would come and guest everywhere in Italy. And, you know, I would see him dance and he would always come and do the prints. I would be like, oh my God, I wonder how, how it must feel to be the prince. No, I really want to be the prince one day. I really want to, to do what he's doing. And then eventually, you know, you get to do it. You get ready. You put your makeup, the wig, the costume. And you are behind the wings. You hear your music is coming. You have to go and sing. It's like, why did I want to do that? <laughs> it's like, you have that moment of like, why? Why? I'd rather be home watching Netflix right now. <laughs> it is scary. I mean, it is really scary. Because, 
I mean, there is the part that you don't want to disappoint that, but mostly I think that you don't want to disappoint yourself. Like you don't want to get out there and be like, oh, I can do this better, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not an easy, the stage is not easy at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to be able to take one or two. Do you, I think perhaps she means ballet. Yeah. Yeah, what yeah. is your pa favorite piece that you performed and what uh, is your favorite I think my all. favorite, the, the, the ballet that I enjoyed the most or that I think is one of the best, you know, that I've performed, I, uh, it, it was on again, probably. I thought I really, I, I mean, I really enjoyed dancing that ballet. I think that the character has so much depth and there's so many different ways of interpret that role. Uh, none of them is right or wrong, I mean, as much as you say in the frame of the story, but I really enjoyed giving life to that character, honestly, and try to find my own way to give it life, meaning... You know, also trying to find similarities to the character and give, you know, highlighting those similarities uh, because it's me that is doing Onyegin, you know. So um, I think that was my, my favorite experience overall as process and getting out there. And overall, those are the ballets that I enjoy the most. The, the story ballets like, you know, Roman Juliet or Onyegin. I would really like to do to dance Manon. I mean, not Manon, the uh, Degrier. <laughs> uh, Manon yeah. is... Um Macmillan. Macmillan, yeah. Which yeah. we haven't, we don't see that on we the coast. We don't see that here, yeah. no. But who knows, someday. We've got about 30 seconds. Um, go ahead. What do you do to stay healthy? The toll on a ballet dancer is considerable, um, physically. Yeah, uh, you know, we train every day for an hour and a half, an hour 15. Um, I think that's really pretty much all you need to be on your legs. You know, a lot of people do cross-training, they do biking, they do running. Um, I think that what's, you know, we, we are athletes in some sort of way. You know, we are, we are required to, you know, to have stamina and all of those things, but we also need to wear tights. And, you know, you don't want to look like a biker, you don't want to look like a football player. With all due respect, you know, don't get me wrong, but you have to wear those tights. So, <laughs> so there is a big aesthetic part, like you need to be pretty. So um, I think ballet... To do ballet, you just need to do ballet every day, really. Then to recover, you can do massage, you can do, uh, you know, you can go to the chiropractor, you can do, you know, everything. Uh, some people do acupuncture, I can't, I can't deal with the needles. Uh, but, you know, everybody has his own way to recover, but to do ballet, you just need to do ballet. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those of you who came in after we began, I've been in conversation with principal dancer Carlo Delano. And we've had a wonderful conversation. I want to thank you so much thank for you. taking thank your you time. Thank you for having me. Enjoy this evening's performance. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For other podcasts and audience engagement programming, please check out sfballet.org explore.